Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. We're in the studio. It's a Wednesday. You know what that means. Coming to you a little bit later than I expected, but we're here. Who's this podcast for? My name is Nate. Um, Starting to get some real, you know, real mentions from people in the podcasting world about this pod, uh, one or two. So that's that's reassuring, knowing that people are listening. Um, and it's starting to get some word out there. I don't know why I started with that. It was just on my mind, so I just wanted to say. I see what's going on, and uh, we're going to keep going. We're going to keep grinding. So today, um, I hope you're doing well. Uh, hope your week's going well. Finish strong almost to the weekend. Like I usually say, you know, push through that. Work on the weekend. On the week, you're making money. On the weekend, you focus on your passions. You can focus on your passions in the week, too, but, you know. That's the time to go get your money and then on the weekend, do what you actually love. And so one day that can become the way you make money is the thing that you love, if it isn't already. But anyway, so a new Ferrari trailer dropped. If you don't know, Ferrari is the new movie about Enzo Ferrari, played by Adam Driver. And um, it has Shailene Woodley in it. And um, what's her name? Uh, Penelope Cruz, directed by Michael Mann, is is the big key to this one. Director of Heat, Last of the Mohicans, Thief, uh, Manhunter, Insider, Collateral, you know, uh, all the big ones. Hope I haven't missed one. I said Heat, yeah. So the trailer came out. Um, I watched it earlier, watched it one or two times. Saw some things that I liked, saw some things that could be improved on uh, or that I don't like. And I've mentioned it already, so I won't harp on it too much in this one. But it's this incessive need for these uh, movies today to be or to seemingly be more about the wife or the mistress or the girlfriend than the actual person. And uh, it was a lot. It was some of that Oppenheimer, which I loved. It was that we were talking about that in the bike riders trailer. Bike riders maybe not coming out this year as we thought because of the actors, quote unquote, strike. But. Uh, we saw that in, didn't see it in the Iron Claw, thankfully. Uh, but yeah, in the bike riders, it was apparent. Uh, Kills of the Flower Moon, hope, uh, trying to focus on the the love aspect instead of the like formation of the FBI. And then the Ferrari trailer. Uh, so I do want to go through that really quick. I'm not going to pause it that much. Uh, I just want to, well, I'm, I'm not going to it. It's not that important to me, honestly. I'll just give you my quick thoughts. We'll move on. Cause I have some other things I want to do, but, um, it's, um, I was the thing that I noticed the most about this trailer that I didn't like was just how, uh, polished it looked for lack of a better word. Actually, we're going to put it on. Okay. I'm just going to put it on. So this is from neon on, on YouTube. Go to neon's YouTube page. That's N E O N. You'll see Ferrari official trailer in theaters Christmas. We're going to go through this real quick. And then I'm going to move on to some boxing stuff that I really want to delve into. Because there's a big fight coming up December 9th. There's two big fights coming up this year. Uh, David Benavidez versus Demetrius Andrade. And then Regis Progress. I'm not sure how you say his name. Against Devin Haney in December. And I want to watch some highlights of uh, specifically that Haney and Progress fight. Uh, 
and we'll save Benavidez and Andrade for closer to their fight. But that lightweight title at 140 is going to be very interesting. And I don't know much about Redrick's progress, but I watched some highlights earlier, and I really want to delve into what makes him such an exciting fighter, especially to go against Devin Haney. But first, uh, we'll delve into this Ferrari trailer real quick. So from Michael Mann. Two objects cannot occupy the same point in space at the same moment in time. Director of Heat and the Last of the Mohicans. The corner races at you. You have perhaps a crisis of identity. Am I sportsman? Or a competitor? To get into one of my cars, you get into the This moment right here, I'm gonna go back. Written by Troy Kennedy Martin, directed by Michael Mann. Um, just just a couple things. It's a nice trailer, it has some good moments in it. Um pretty much lays out the story. I don't think it gives too much away. My problem is that this is a movie based, um, I believe in the fifties or hold on a second, in the fifties or sixties has to be right. Maybe seventies. No, somewhere 1957 behind the spectacle of formula one X race to Enzo Ferrari's in a crisis bankruptcy threatens the factory. He and his wife, Laura built from nothing. 10 years earlier, the volatile marriage has been battered by the loss of the son Dino a year earlier. Ferrari struggles to acknowledge his son Piero with Lena Lardi. Uh, meanwhile, his driver's passion to win pushes them to the edge as they launch into the treacherous 1,000-mile race across Italy, the Mount Miglia. 
So it's directed by Michael Mann, written by Troy Kennedy Martin, starring Adam Driver, Penelope Cruz, Shailene Woodley, Sarah Gordon, Gabriel Leon, Jack O'Connell, and Patrick Dempsey in theaters Christmas. Uh, people have already pointed out that some of the CGI is a bit jank. If you saw it, um, it's a crash close to the end of the trailer, and it does look very computer, but... I would say that doesn't matter that much to me because the entire movie looks digital. If you know Michael Mann's work, you know that he doesn't he hasn't strayed away from using digital photography since Collateral, maybe. And that was 2004, right around when the digital stuff was really coming to age and really coming to prominence in a major way in Hollywood. And it's just not for me. Um, I prefer the movie to look like Thief or Heat. And something like Ferrari, based in the fifties, should look closer to those movies. It just it astounds me this this like you know incessant need to want to shoot digital so much. Um, and you know they say it's easier and the camera's lighter, you can do more with it. I argue that lessens your creativity because you you're not working around certain restrictions. I believe I'm a believer that restrictions create creativity. So you not being able to do everything you want means that you'll find a way or doing it easily means you'll find a harder way to do it, but it'll be much more fulfilling if you pull it off. And you say, well, why do we have to do that when we have the technology? Um, because you're not lazy and you want to challenge yourself maybe, but I, but maybe not. And you say, well, it's just a trailer, but it, it's more indicative of an overall problem in movies that have me a bit uh, torn or like distant from modern movies where they all look and feel the same the trailers are kind of cut the same and in this aspect all these movies now focusing on the wife or the girlfriend or the mistress more than the actual person in this movie he has two and most of the trailers about them and maybe that was his life it's clear that clear that that's going to be a big part of this movie but man it almost like they're telling the story from their perspective and it's called ferrari not his mistresses um there's the same thing with Elvis, and now they're coming out with the Priscilla movie uh, based on his wife, and it's like, what did his wife do to warrant a film? Like, what's going to be the necessity or the vitality of this film? Like, why should I have? Why should I go see this for what? Since Elvis came out last year, you could just go watch that. We say, well, because she was with him. Okay, well, I just see his life. She's naturally going to be in it because she was there. What's the point of seeing a whole movie for her? And then they wonder why this stuff doesn't make money. And they'll say, well, it's because people don't support movies on women. But it's like, no, because Joan of Arc. What was that movie called from way back in the day? The Passion of Joan of Arc. Um, That was actually a riveting story. It just so happened to happen to a woman. And I'm sure it did wonderful business for that time period. And it's considered one of the best movies of all time. And it's a silent movie about a woman on on trial, right? Um, for, for her conquest and things of that nature. You can tell stories about women that are good and actually have some merit, but making a whole movie about the wife of one of the biggest uh, musicians of all time, it just doesn't make sense because what is there to say? Like, it seems like it's going to be a direct response to Elvis, and nobody wants it. I don't want this this new movie where it's like beef or, or like a diss record to an old movie because it's like that's not why you that's not that shouldn't be the sole reason why you're making this and I could be not giving Priscilla enough credit but we just had Elvis why are we going back to that to that pool again you say well it's called Priscilla 
Like, yeah, but it's about Elvis, isn't it? Because she has nothing to say outside of I was with Elvis. And it brings me to, to Maestro, the movie about Leonard Bernstein. And most of the movie has his wife front and center. And it's just like, what are we doing? Like, why are you telling these biopic stories and then focusing on their wife or telling the story from their wife's point of view? Who wants that? And it might be unpopular to say, but I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't want it. That's why I think Killers of the Flower Moon is going to miss. And it's already starting to get backlash. Because Scorsese uh, said halfway through through the writing through the writing process, he didn't want to make the story about quote unquote white man or tell the story from that lens and want to tell it from those people. And you think that'd be enough, and then you completely change the script around, and people are still coming out of the movie saying that's not enough because you give these groups an inch and they'll take a mile. You just can't give them enough, so you might as well make the movie you make. And then deal with it because you're going to have to deal with it anyway. But he thought he could get past it and now it's still coming back to bite him in the ass. And it's just unfortunate because I think it's going to make the movie suffer. But by, but by most accounts, it isn't. But by some accounts coming out, it's still not enough. Like you change that movie completely to focus on the uh, on the Osage Nation. And people are still uh, an Osage member came out yesterday and was like, yeah, it's not enough. It's it's still a movie from the perspective of a white man or whatever. And it's just like, yeah, well, damned if you do, damned if you don't. But uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, I think the trailer's decent. I don't think it's bad at all. But And I'm, I'm probably going to watch it. Uh, but, you know, I just, I just find it very interesting what's happening in the current media where they're really focusing on the female aspect of a male story. And you know that they wouldn't do that in the opposite direction so that's my few points on that and i just don't like how glossy it looks it looks fake it looks computer it looks digital it looks like a screensaver and i'm just so over movies looking like that and none except a few seem to be trying to do anything else from a different era but i guess that's why nobody cares about these things anymore but it's a few people so uh anyway back to the boxing match uh, Devin Haney and Regis, Pro, Regis Progress had their uh, first official press conference yesterday for the bout December 9th WBC World Super Lightweight title at 140. And Devin Haney is coming off a win over Vasily Lomachenko, which was very disputed. But if you go back and watch it, I must admit Devin Haney did handedly win that fight. Uh, Vasily didn't do enough. And Devin Haney was getting more points on the score on the scorecard, and it wasn't that close of a fight. Even though I do think it was pretty competitive here and there. If Vasily let his hands go more, he could have really had a chance in that fight. But no matter, Devin Haney is a lightweight title in in um in a few different weight classes, and Regis Progress is also a lightweight title. I think at one thirty five, or uh, in, in one division or another. I'm not sure how all the the divisions go in boxing. It's a lot of divisions and a lot of belts going around. But I do love boxing. Uh, As NFL kind of slowly starting to fall off to me in terms of watchability, uh, boxing, and this year specifically, is getting a lot of fights made and it's being very exciting. And like I said, there's a David Benavidez, uh, Demetrius Andre fight coming up. And let me pull this up to see which belts it's for. Uh, let's see. Benavidez versus Andrade. PVC fight night, November 25th. Uh, let's see here. 
Undefeated two-time super middleweight world champion, David El Mastro Benavidez will defend his interim WC super middleweight title against unbeaten two-division world champion Demetrius Bubu Andre, headlining a Showtime pay-per-view from Mich- Michelob <laughs> Ultra Arena at Mandalay Bay Resort and Casino, Las Vegas, uh, November 25th, I believe, is the day of that. So that's a big fight, too. These both are undefeated, guys. Uh, both have built. And this is going to be a big fight, but the one I want to focus on today is the Haney progress fight because that press conference, that press conference had a lot of juice yesterday and it made me want to go look into Reg's progress because I haven't, I know his name. Uh, I'm pretty, I'm in a boxing enough to know his name, but I hadn't really seen a lot of highlights, but I saw enough yesterday that made me want to dive in. So I'm going to pull this up and then we're going to watch some Haney pro, uh, highlights right after. And, uh, just talk about the differences between the two uh, and what they'll both bring to this fight and how exciting this fight will be in comparison to the Lomachenko fight because Lomachenko and Haney were kind of closer in terms of skill level where a lot of people would think that progress is not as close to skill level as Haney in terms of pure boxing, but what he possesses in knockout power and uh, head movement, I think, will, will bother Haney and if he lands a big punch, could knock Haney out, but before we get ahead of ourselves, let's go to Regis Progress. He's 28-1 in his career. This is Regis Progress highlights and knockouts from Themistocles, and then we're going to look up some Haney highlights right after. Got it. Let me get these off. Regis Progress highlights and KOs. 28 wins, 24 knockouts. He is a knockout artist. And this is Regis Progress versus, I forgot. It was Zabeta. I definitely watched this earlier, but I want to watch it on the pod just to see what he does. And a lot of people in the comments were saying he doesn't have head movement. His defense is lacking. I'm seeing a lot of head movement here. A lot of, uh, I want to say, call them feints, but just a lot of head movement. Like he, he's very swift and he pairs. He's a great counter puncher from what I've seen uh, in, the, in the few videos I watched. And um, he has strong power and you got to be careful when you're swinging wildly on a guy like this because they'll because they'll lay you out and i think he has enough skill to make this fight interesting with him and haney if you watch his head movement here at least with the jab he got hit there but right here he ducked dodged it's good head movement and then he just gets you in a corner and he unloads on you at least with the jab his head is down he he he'll jab and keep his head down that's not going to be good for Somebody like Haney who will really take you out uh, if you leave your head exposed. I don't mean knock you out, but he'll unload combinations and you're losing points quickly. But uh, so, so that's something progress has to fix if he hasn't fixed it already. These are older highlights of him. I would hope that he understands you can't every time you punch, you can't drop your head like that. You're leaving yourself for an uppercut or uh, a straight right or anything like that to the top of the head and that's not going to be good for the points. I don't think he'll get knocked out because the guy has a chin. But And Haney's not the strongest puncher, but that's not the only way to lose a fight is to get knocked out. So, 
Or they're just tapping. Oh, got a big one. You heard him. That's it. Read his progress versus want. Geraldes, who at the time was 16 and 0. And a lot of people said he hasn't faced anybody. He's faced some some people who were undefeated. But this will be his greatest test. You could argue this will be Haney's greatest test, even though Vasily Lomachenko is a certified legend of his era. But that's Vasily coming off of serving uh, in the war in Ukraine. Uh, so, so maybe he's a bit, and he's older. He might, might be a bit long in the tooth. But uh, Regis Progress is a young, hungry fighter. I think the same age as Haney, maybe 24 years old. So this will be tough for both fighters, but for different reasons. Dropped him with that left. That left cross. And he's relentless, man. He gets you in the corner. He's not going to stop. You're going to have to weather that storm. It was too much for this guy. Regis Progress versus Ivan Redcatch, 23-5. He leads with his... Uh, He's like I say, sometimes drops his hands. He's a bit awkward. He has a weird energy to him. He has a weird skill to him. It's it's very interesting. Um, I want to go to a a comment I saw. Um, that I think is pretty good. It, it was um comparing him to somebody. I hope I can find it pretty quick. Someone said, I don't know, man, dude's a little wild with no real defense. He's a brawler for sure, but he's literally wide open for anybody to hit him. I don't know if he's completely wide open, but a great fighter like Haney will see some of those openings and take advantage. But he moves his head enough, I think. But here's the post that I liked. said he frames and posts and uses body weight to close the distance on his punches slash parry as his defense. Kind of a Duran style, Roberto Duran, one of the four uh, kings of, of boxing back in the 80s. Only works in hand with his power. That wide open head slip thing he does is going to get him KO'd. And someone said, Haney won't KO him if you let him take his best shot. I have more power than Haney. So he he's going to Haney a little bit. But that but there is some truth to that. Uh, Devin Haney isn't the strongest puncher, and I don't think that Regis Progress will be worried if his head is open to certain shots because I think he'll be able to walk through them. But the fact of the matter is if he gets hit too many times, it won't be good for the scorecard. And the only thing you have to guarantee then is that you have to knock him out. And I think if he hits Haney hard enough and with a flush enough uh, shot, he can knock him out. Because Vasily Lomachenko had uh, Haney wobbled a few times there. At least once or twice, where at least he was hurt. I don't know if he was wobbled, but he was hurt. But Ridge's progress is a much stronger hitter than Vasily Lomachenko. 
So that's what Haney will have to uh, worry about as well. But yeah, Regis Progress does have some limitations in terms of defense that somebody like Haney with such great boxing skills will exploit if he stays away from his uh, his power shots. Hit him with a liver punch and it took him down. He's so strong. Hit him, hit him with a liver punch. That'll take you out. Versus Kill Relic. Now let me go back real quick. So this is Regis versus Kill Relic 23 and 2. This is a title fight. So he hit him with a hard shot to the body, turned his back, and Regis ran up on him and put him down to one knee. Can't turn your back on somebody like him and knock your head off. It was a liver shot, and it hurt him, and he turned his head to him. And Regis ran up and just started diming him up. Hit him with another great shot to the body. His hands be low. And he's so much of a brawler, man. It's going to be interesting to see what Devin Haney does in this fight. Devin Haney is setting himself up for a great career. He's fighting all the right fighters. He's fighting the big guys. But Regis Progress is a throwback fighter. Somebody said that in the comments. He is old school slugger. That's why I said right here, old school throwback style. But I said, that's what I was thinking. They just remind you from a guy like back in the day, just I'm a gunner. I'm going for your head. Regis Perkins versus Terry Flanagan, 33-1 and one title fight. See, again, he has fought people. This guy has 33 wins to one loss at the time that they fought, and this was for a title. This guy's serious, whoever this guy is, Terry Flanagan. And they just talked about Regis Progress, such a counterpuncher. Oh, my gosh. That straight left drop, Mike Flanagan. I got to go back and see this again. Straight left made Mike Flanagan drop. And now he's just teeing off. It's a beautiful combination right there. He lets his hand go like nobody else. And the counterpunching is really crisp. Like people talk about his defense. He don't keep his hands up that high, but he's a really good counterpunch. Oh, got an ad. Sorry about that. This is versus Julius Ndongo, 22-1 title fight. <sighs> And he loves to work the body. He's not just a gunner. He works the body. And he'll put a combination together, too. Like that right there. 
I hope you're watching the video. Again, this is Regis Progress Highlights and Knockouts on the Mysticles YouTube channel. T H E M I S T O C L E S, the Mysticles. Shout out to him. If you don't know how to spell his name, it's Regis Progress, R E G I S P R O G R A I S. Big left hand. This dude's a gunner. And he's going for the knockouts. He came in swinging, man. He's a big puncher. It's going to be a great fight. Reggie Perkins versus Joe Diaz Jr., 23-0 at the time, and this was for a title. You don't want to stand in exchange with this guy. Let me pause it. Devin Haney, you don't want to stand in exchange with this dude. Um, you might get a strong chin. You might get an underrated chin. And you are definitely a great boxer. But you don't want to stand with this dude. Regis Progress versus Tyrone McKenna, 22-2. and two. I like once they taste that power, they don't really want to taste it again. That's how you know he's a monster uh, striker. He's a bit unorthodox, and he's a southpaw. That might give Haney some trouble as well. He's leading with his right jab, and that left hand is is, is all the power. Um, and he's he's going for the body as well. He's trying to he's trying to make you uh, excuse the language pee blood. But he's so unorthodox. I like him. He's just such a good. And he has this guy McKenna bleeding profusely, and the match was over. Regis Perkins versus Aaron Herrera, twenty nine and four. Big body shot. And once he sees that you're hurt, he's coming and he smells the blood and the water. Joe Diaz Jr., 23 and 0 title fight. Body shot took him down. Big liver shot. That was too much. Those liver shots, man. And this is like a very amateur fight, but but you can oh man, the combination and he shakes them fists, and then it's over. 
I like this guy. He'll go to you when you're already down. And pretend like you're about to hit you again. He's good, man. Nah, he's good. He's very good. But this other guy might be better. We'll see. back um let's go to Devin Haney let's go to Devin Haney highlights and see hope it's not too old yep Themistocles got it right here this is six months ago I don't think it'll have the yeah because the um the Haney Loma fight was about four months ago I'm seeing that right now so this is about two months before that but it'll work um, Themistocles also has from seven days ago Devin Haney versus Regis Progress highlights and knockouts but since we already just watched Regis Progress highlights so let's go to Devin Haney again this is Themistocles T-H-E-M-I-S-T-O-C-L-E-S Devin Haney all knockouts and highlights from six months ago this is the guy he, he, he's a great fighter coached by his father um, you can tell they have a very close bond relationship uh one thing I love about him is at the at the uh, press conference, uh, one of the other guys on the other side was clowning him for being a private school kid. And his father said, uh, he's homeschooled, man. I just appreciate that. You can always tell a homeschool father and a homeschool child um, and somebody who wants to homeschool my children when I have them one day, uh, Lord willing. Uh, I, I just appreciated that sentiment. More so-called black people need to homeschool their kids. Um, stop letting these schools raise your children. Anyway, that's all I'm going to say on that. Let's get to these highlights. Devin Haney highlights and chaos. 29 wins, 15 knockouts. This is Devin Haney versus Jose Iniguez from 2018. Jorge Linares, 47-5 title fight. Devin Haney's a boxer, man. What you see here is he leads with the jab. He has great footwork, great head movement, uh, great combinations. Two to the top, and then he goes to the body. Let's run his back real quick. He's a very good fighter, man. She leads with the jab. Hands are always up. Get in and out. One, two, one, two, one. One, two, one, two. One, two, one. He, two to the head, one to the body. He's very uh, technically sound. Very technically sound. His defense isn't the best either. Everybody's talking about progress, but he just got tagged there. He he leaves himself open to him too, and it happened in the Vasily Lomachenko fight where he'll leave himself open to uh, certain hits too. It's not all just progress. And, and again, he better have it tightened up as well because progress will knock you out. So that's why I think this fight is going to be so good because is Haney going to keep him at bay with the jab? Use his length. You don't want to get into a fight and into a brawl with this guy. You want to outbox him, outpoint him, and get to the end and get a uh, uh, undisputed decision or whatever. But I wonder if he takes any bit of the power from progress and maybe gets wobbly once or twice. Is that going to change his outlook? Because everything's good till you get punched in the mouth. And if you get punched hard, then you're like, oh, man, what do I do now? I wonder will he start to panic. And I think people are sleeping on progress's boxing skills. He's unorthodox, but it doesn't look like he's uh, reckless or, you know, just 
out there. He has some deficiencies, but I think Devin Haney does too. Uh, but they're just two different fighters. One's a classical boxer. One's more of a brawler with uh, and a counterpuncher. And Haney's a counterpuncher as well. But this is going to be a really good fight, I think. You see that he's methodical. He really breaks you down. But he can get hit too. And sometimes he'll stand there and trade you like he just did. If you're watching the, uh, if you're watching this video, you see him and Linares, they're kind of trading a little bit here. Linares is getting some shots off too. That was a big uh, left from Linares. And Haney took it. Haney has a chin. I will give him that. He, he, can, he can take a punch. He made a miss. Haney's a big, strong kid, too. He's teeing off. He was wobbly. Wow, hold on. <laughs> so I said knockouts against Uber drivers and Taco Street vendors. Wow. Uh, so I said I saw odds of predictions and thought this Haney guy's a monster. Now that I watch highlights, I'm betting big on Loma. So this was before that fight. Um, and he did beat Loma. I don't think Loma did enough. He wasn't aggressive enough. He didn't land as many uh, flush, uh, crisp punches. But um, Haney got rocked on this one. Wow. Right as the bell. And he was stumbling to his corner. So, But again, this was a younger Haney. We can't judge him just on highlights alone. You have to go watch the full fights. And I watched that full Lomachenko fight. And I do think Haney won, but uh, I thought it was closer than uh, than some people gave it credit for. It was a great fight, though. Great fight. But let me see right here. <laughs> he was wobbly, and Linares ushered him to his corner. Like, that. there you go. Linares put up a great fight. He couldn't knock him out. Uh, but neither could Haney when they went to the bell. But Linares got some shots off. He, he's, he's, he's good. I don't know too much about him, but he's good from these highlights. But Devin Haney won by unanimous, unanimous decision. Devin Haney versus Antonio Moore in 24 and 3. Haney letting his hands go a little bit in these highlights, too, and putting his hands down. Again, this was younger Haney, just like that was younger progress. We'll see if they're still the same. Uh, man, I, I can't wait for this fight. Haney's such a good mover, too. They called him Young Floyd for a minute there. I don't think he's as good as Floyd, but I can see the comparison. Uh, You know, he, he has a lot of swagger like Floyd. 
might not be as uh gifted orally uh speaking like he i don't think he can he can't promote himself like floyd does i don't think anybody can except ali and a few others but conor mcgregor is one of them but uh in terms of skill he looks like him but pretty boy was pretty boy was a beast though and and then into money he was a beast as well one day we're gonna go through floyd highlights and i see one right here is from joseph vincent 50 and old floyd money mayweather impossible skills untouchable uh, we might have to. I might have to seek that out one day. I think that'd be fun. I'm seeing a lot of stuff here. Why Devin Haney versus Regis Progress will be one sided. He keeps running. Uh, that was from Shakir Stevenson. That's another guy you got to watch. He's another guy with, with with some real power uh, and a lot of skill too. That people try to say is kind of like Floyd. Knocked him out. Devin Haney versus Zura Abdulev, 11-0. This has to be early on in their careers. He's a combination punch. He likes to string together. They like he got tagged there. No, where they were? Is this Russia? But Devin Haney won by TKO in the fourth round of this fight. This looks like it's way back in the day. Devin Haney versus Joseph Diaz, 32 and 1 title fight. Very crisp, clean shots, especially to the body. These straight jabs to the body. He just—he's a point racker. He racks up points on the scoreboard. If you don't knock him out, you don't really want to box with him. He'll by the end, he'll get a unanimous decision because he knows how to get his crispest, the crispest punches uh, imaginable. And I have it right here. I wrote it down. Um, let me see here. The Marcus of Queensberry rules four ways to score a boxing match. Effective aggressiveness, meaning you're aggressive, but it's effective. You're not just flailing all over the place and throwing a bunch of uh, shots that don't land. It like It's effective aggressiveness, meaning it's it has a point behind it. Defense, meaning, you know, not getting hit. Ring generalship, how you're cutting off the ring. Are you getting in and out of tough spots if they're trying to put you in tough spots? Like, how are you, you know? How's your ring generalship? And then hard and crisp punches, meaning you're landing your shots. And they're hard, and you can clearly see it's not like kind of blocked or you hit an arm. No, like you're hitting the, the spot you want. Hard and crisp punches. And you're landing, and you can tell that it's hurting the guy. That's how you score a fight of the Marcus of Queensberry rules. That's just four ways to score a boxing match. 
effective aggressiveness, defense, ring generalship, and uh, crisp and hard punches. And that's why Devin Haney wins, hasn't lost yet, because if you ever knocked him out, if you're going to box him, it's going to be tough because he kind of demands all four of those uh, put a check by each of them. Defense might be the only one that like, he could be better, but the other three, he seems pretty good on, especially effective aggressiveness. He doesn't really just stand around. He's always letting his hands go. And uh, hard and crisp punches, he definitely has those, like I just mentioned. Ring generalship, he doesn't get in tight bunches. He knows how to get in and out for the most part. Defense, he's pretty good at too. He is good head movement. But, you know, he's a young fighter. He'll get better at time. But he's 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 pretty much good across the board. You know, he has things to work on. But he he's a damn good fighter. And I give him all the respect in the world. Devin Haney versus Roman Melendez, 2016. Said when he's not worried, just like progress, he puts his hands down and he starts to he, oops, sorry, kicking everything. He starts to hot dog it too a little bit. Uh, we'll see if either one of them do that against each other. I don't think they will. Progress might because that's kind of what he does, but Devin, I don't, I don't think so. But I think progress is going to be locked in too. And this is uh, Devin Haney versus Mike Fowler. And he's a big kid, too. You can just tell. He's a big frame. He's tall, but he's, he's solid, too. No, this is back in the day. You tell them that this is a very old fight right here. It's Devin Haney versus Gonzalo Lopez Rodriguez, 2015. Wow. Been fighting a long time. Okay, so we have a good idea of both. We just saw both. Um, if you watch both, it'll be a great fight. This is coming out, what did I say, December 9th? And then the Benefides, um, December 9th, yeah. And the Benefides Andrade fight was November 25th, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. So two big fights coming up very close to each other. Boxing has had an excellent year, man. Excellent year. And I will go to some Benavidez and Andrade highlights, but I, I, th I think I'll save that. I think we'll finish up with our boy. You know I couldn't do it. You, you know I couldn't go and hold up episode without checking in on movie-wise. And I actually had a different... Because he dropped something last went, uh, last Friday that was going to be 
the 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 sole you know purpose of this episode but then other things came up his latest video i've already watched i can't wait to discuss with you is writing a perfect cast of characters every character matters and this is about the movie the big country by william wyler in the 50s i believe starring gregory peck and charlton heston and others and i was gonna go through this it's about 16 minutes long i think i'll save it we'll try to find a short one really quick We'll probably do that one next week. Maybe Woody Allen, great director. Better than you think. That's 23 minutes. Pair those together. That'll be a big episode. Still have why every film look, today looks the same. We still have the feature of cinemas in the past. We have a lot of big ones that I haven't done yet. Uh, which Godfather is the best, obviously. I've seen that, but I kind of want to wait till I see Godfather Parts 2. I know it It doesn't make sense. Like Also, I haven't seen The Big Country. But I still watch the video. I know it doesn't make sense, but it's what I kind of do. Uh, let's see. Which one will we go through? I've completely thrown off my whole thing here. I just need a quick one. Something in and out, you know. It won't be too long. I've already been on here pretty long. None of these are that short. None are like six or seven minutes. Actually, I do have one. It'll be nice to tack on to the end of this. Um, it's one I only watched like once or twice. Nope, nope. I actually do have a good one. And it, you're right. I'm, I'm right. It has only been once or twice. A guide for analyzing movies. This means that this is from MovieWise. Six months ago at the time of recording. This is about seven minutes long. We'll go through this really quick. Um... Before it starts, let me read the description. How do you analyze a movie? Should you interpret it? Should you seek the hidden meaning behind it? Behind every minuscule detail? Should you read each color on screen as a metaphor for the ancient virtues? Should you consider every which element and pixel before your eyes as a clue for illumination? Should you spend every breathing second of your life prostrate before that thousandth frame of vertigo trying to understand what that little puppy sculpture on the corner means? Let's find out. This is what I call the Freud approach or the Robert Langdon contingency. It's fun, but whether it's useful at all is up for debate. So this is basically like, how do you analyze film? Do you overanalyze? Do you underanalyze? Is there a perfect middle? Movie-wise is going to let us know. In The Master, Joaquin Phoenix's character is shown hanging in such a way as to illustrate his state of being adrift in life, simply carried by the wind to wherever it may blow. In Blow Up, the circular shape of the magnifying glass contrasts with the rectangular shape of the negatives and deforms them into other circular shapes. This represents how protagonist Thomas is reshaping reality to fit his own distorted obsession. He visually turns rectangles into circles in the same way as his mind turns a romantic moment into a murder scene. In the shot from Vertigo, the patterns over the fireplace are similar to those created by the curtains. This visual repetition fits perfectly with the movie's plot. The curtains represent Scotty's relationship with Madeline, which was genuine and free, while the fireplace stands for the hard, stony and etched relationship between Scotty and Judy. These long stairs to nowhere in Fellini's eight and a half represent the protagonist's daydreams that take him to the clouds, when he should instead experience the immediate world around him and the people in his present, helped by the stars. I was daydreaming, not even listening to him. He brought up eight and a half, so I have to go back. But you, you see what he's doing? He's adding all of this um, convenient 
if not superfluous meaning to a lot of these shots when maybe there is none. I've talked about this before where a lot of people like to attribute certain things to art that isn't there. And then, and and then they'll say, well, I can interpret it any way I want. Well, you can, but if I tell you, if the, the creators of it tell you that that's, that that was in no way the intention, then I think you have to listen to them. I'm not a believer of the authors dead and that, you know, intent is, uh, you know, it's, it's to the person watching. I'm a firm believer of whoever made the thing, even if it's a collaborative process, all those people that came together, created, they have a better idea of what it is than you or I. And to tell them that they are wrong is, um, it's very arrogant. Uh, like a certain movie, if somebody was like, like I made this movie and somebody was like, I think the movie is sim is, has a lot of symbolism about homosexuality. And I like, there's literally none of that. And they're like, well, that's my uh, interpretation. You can interpret certain things, but if I'm telling you straight up, that's not in there. It's not. And you're not going to apply all of that stuff to something that I make. Now, now maybe that's just me personally, but, uh, I'm not going for it. Uh, per se especially if it's heinous like if it's certain things like okay i can see how you think that i didn't have that intent but that's fine because because like okay i'll consider that i, I could see how you come to that conclusion when it be left field be like no i don't know how you came there but you have an agenda and you clearly just trying to put it in everything you see but that clearly wasn't in there and i'm not going to take your word for it um author is not dead like intent still matters and the most intent is the person who made it in the first place. That's just my opinion. Mirabai stands for the hard, stony, and dashed relationship between Scotty and Judy. These long stairs to nowhere in Fellini's eight and a half represent the protagonist's daydreams that take him to the clouds, when he should instead experience the immediate world around him and the people in his present. Helped by the starburst effect of the spotlights, this adds a sense of surreal, oniric imagery to the story. In Andre Tarkovsky's masterpiece, Stalker, Sand fills the screen all the way up to 65% of its height. This symbolizes an hourglass, emphasizing how trapped the characters feel and visually representing how much of the movie's runtime has elapsed. Being this shot at the 1 hour and 45 minute mark, precisely 65% into the film. This shot from Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf has a light bulb swinging over George's head. It is the classical association of the light bulb with an idea. Here, the idea of murdering his wife haunts George, moving from one side to the other without ever settling down and having the crime come into fruition. This shot from Piero Stanley's through the olive trees captures the natural beauty of the rural landscapes to create contrast with the difficult lives of the characters, highlighting themes of hope, perseverance, and the struggle for a better life. Wong Kar Wai shot fallen angels with shallow depth of field and giddy camera work to signify the lead character's immaturity and lack of knowledge of the real world. The presence of nature in the Sound of Music's opening number alludes to the ancient history of the Alps region and therefore suggests the violent conflicts between the Romans and the Celts, implying the conflict that will appear later in the story. Here, in Dreyer's Day of Wrath, smoke represents humanity leaving the earth as the witch trials are carried out. The Inquisitor's wife watches from behind the window. Here in Dryer's Day of Wrath, smoke represents humanity leaving the earth as the witch trials are carried out. The 
King Wizarder's wife watches from behind the window to show how separated she is from the brutality in this play, indicating her purity and innocence. Marcello, protagonist of The Conformist, later in the story. Here in Dryer's Day of Wrath, smoke from the brutality in this play, indicating her purity and innocence. Marcello, protagonist of The Conformist, is a closeted homosexual, as can be interpreted in this scene by the presence of the Eiffel Tower, a clear phallic symbol. As he waves his wife goodbye, he is also greeting the true object of his desire. In this iconic scene from Casablanca, the shapes of lead couple Rick and Ilsa are clearly akin to the phallus, indicating the character's latent homosexuality. You see this guy right here? He's gay. Also gay. <laughs> Super gay. In this scene, the character of Lisa. What movie was that? Look like um. You see this guy right here? He's gay. Also James Cagney. They look like James Cagney. In this scene, the character of Lisa dons a necktie on her head, indicating how she and not Johnny holds power in the relationship. And she creatively subverts it by wearing the traditionally masculine item in a novel way. In this moment from screen, Randy refuses to look behind him all the while he repeatedly tells the movie character he's watching to do so. Look behind. Look behind. This is a clear representation of straight white men's hypocrisy and adamant refusal to face racism. The character of Ghostface obviously represents racism and aided by the curved angle, which signifies a skewed prejudice worldview. This scene is a brilliant illustration of how straight white men allow racism to be perpetuated in society. Here in a chorus line, the characters are arranged precisely in the order they are going to die. John Waters' work of art, Pink Flamingos, is brilliantly shot in an unpolished documentary-like style to simulate the flawed point of view of typical everyday bourgeois moviegoers who look upon the film's marginalized characters without the respect they crave and deserve. Here, characters are faced by the camera at an angle of 56 degrees. Being 56, the periodic number of Merriam. Look at how Matt Damon looks at that <laughs> piece of paper. It's like Charlemagne facing the Magna Carta. If you don't cry, you are not a human. This painting here represents loneliness. This one, effectiveness. This one is conciseness. This one, constipation. And this painting stands for the Polish Constitution of 1997. And together, they combine to form the ghost of Alfred the Great. See how absurd you can get when you try to attribute analysis or a thematic richness to every single frame of a movie or TV show? When maybe there is none, and this is just the most uh, effective way to shoot the shot for that day, considering that, that maybe they were under a time crunch and had to get out of there quickly. Sometimes that's all it is. Seductive, but all 
ultimately, they're as empty as these vast spaces representing the character's isolation from society and his inner self. Of course, some images can be interpreted, but I believe it's only the most obvious ones. Bars representing lack of freedom, for example, just don't go too far, stick to the story. If a director himself says there's... I think that's key to the video. Some interpretations, you know, are valid. Most aren't, but usually it's obvious. And just stick to the story. A certain meaning. So if a director himself says there's a certain meaning? Oh, but I wouldn't give it that much value. He said good to know, but I wouldn't give it that much value. Well, I guess that kind of goes against everything I had just said. But usually I'm going to take the director on their face value. Um, unless it's clearly silly, I guess, then, you know, I'll push back on it. Like if I'm like, that clearly isn't what that is. And then I'd be like, no, but that's, that's what that is. Then, yeah, I can't push back because they made it. I just would be like, okay, that's fine. I just, I'll choose to see it a different way. And I guess that's the, the, the same for what I was saying earlier. You just choose to see it how you want to. all right i think that'll be it um i want to thank you all for listening what sorry i was reading something i want to thank you all for uh for listening and um come with me on this episode very jam-packed kind of different than what we normally do i will add more boxing stuff in as i'm getting very excited about boxing especially after this year with the tank ryan garcia fight the Devin haney vastly lomachenko fight we have tyson fury and uh, alexander ushik coming up um we have uh what was one i just talked about progress and haney coming up we have benavidez and um andrade coming up we had benavidez versus caleb plant we had Canelo versus Charlo. You know, we got a lot of great fights this year. And uh, I think it'll only continue. This, this has been the best year for fighting in a long time. So I was happy to add some of that in, as well as getting my guy movie-wise in there. Uh, shout out to, what's his name again? I want to make sure I got it right. Themistocles. Welcome to the show. Welcome to the pod, Themistocles. Movie-wise, good as always. Talk to these guys like I actually know them, and I don't. But... I uh, hope you're having a great week. Like I said, to start, finish out strong, work on your passions, work on your gifts, all that kind of stuff. And um, yeah, that's pretty much all I got for this episode.
Thank you for listening. See you next time. Peace out.